Hey guys, and welcome to the show. This is your host, Mohammed Halaida. Before we get started or continue with our GU review, there are a few things I would like to uh, discuss. One, the new change in the podcast. Now you will notice that between each question, there is a small segment of classical music. It's about five seconds. The point of that is to give you a feedback that we will be discussing a different topic. I've got mixed feedback in terms of it being useful or not. Some listeners thought it was a very good idea. Others did not think so. They mainly thought it basically distract the listener and waste time. If you have any feedback, please let me know so I can gauge the audience requests and either take it out or find an alternative. And if you have any suggestions for anything to put in between, I'd be happy to consider it. So again, please give us feedback, review our podcast. It really takes tremendous amount of work to get each episode between production, editing, and publishing. Thank you for your feedback and reviews. We'll get started. You're shown a CT scan at the level of the adrenal gland, and you see a mass within the adrenal gland with fat lobules or fat density within the adrenal gland. What do they want you to choose? This is almost diagnostic of myolipoma. Again, fat within the adrenal nodule or an adrenal mass is diagnostic of myolipoma. If it was in the kidney, then it would be AML. Continuing with the same theme, what is the differential for fat-containing renal mass. Now, the most common one is angiomyolipoma or AML. Additionally, if there is fat and there is calcifications within the fat, then they want us to get to renal cell carcinoma. Again, fat within the kidney is typically AML or angiomyolipoma. If there is calcifications, then they want us to also consider renal cell carcinoma. Infection pattern of bowel strangulitis stercolaris. This is typically involved the jejunum and duodenum with mucosal fold effacement and areas of narrowing. Again, strongulitis stercolaris typically involve the duodenum and jejunum and causes mucosal fold effacement and narrowing of the lumen. What is the portion of solid tissue with uh, renal mass in order to call it a solid mass. If the cystic structure of the kidney or of the mass within the kidney contains more than 25% solid tissue, then it is considered a solid renal mass. It sounds counterintuitive, but these are the guidelines. Again, if there is more than 25% solid tissue, it's considered a solid renal mass. Imaging features of urethral pseudodiverticulosis. Well, what it is, it's diverticulosis involving the ureters, and it has the characteristic imaging of diverticulosis in the colon similarly, which is herniation or outpouching of hyperplastic buds through the urethral tissue or through the muscularis layer of the ureter, and we will see contrast outside of the contours of the ureter consistent with the contrast filling the diverticula. This is typically seen in patients with history of chronic urinary tract infections or hematuria. (music) 
what is the difference between angular and interstitial ectopic pregnancies? Both of these pregnancy locations are considered to be an ectopic pregnancy. The difference is angular is considered to be within the endometrial tissue, meaning within the uterus. It's at the angle after the insertion of the fallopian tube. That structure is, con is considered angular pregnancy if it's within that. And it is technically within the endometrial canal. And pregnancies at that location can go to become a full-term pregnancy. Interstitial, on the other hand, is the last portion of the fallopian tube and pregnancy there is a high-risk pregnancy as all the pregnancies in the fallopian tube. Let's talk about the fallopian tube parts. The fallopian tube is made up of four parts. The fimbria, which is the closest to the ovary, then the infundibulum, which is the dilated portion of the fallopian tube adjacent to the fimbria, Third is the ampulla, and this is the longest segment of the fallopian tube. And if they were to ask what is the most common location of an ectopic pregnancy, it would be the ampulla. As I said just a couple of, couple of seconds ago, the ampulla is the longest segment. So there is, because it's so long, a chances of an ectopic pregnancy within the fallopian tube is going to be within the longest segment, which is the ampulla. And finally, the isthmus, which is the portion of the fallopian tube that connects it with the uterus and that's where the interstitial ectopic happens versus the angular ectopic. Angular ectopic as we said happens within the endometrial canal. What is the MRI signal characteristics of fibroid? As we know fibroid is basically an organized or disorganized muscle tissue within the uterus. Now, what is the signal characteristics of the muscle? Signal characteristics are typically T1 and T2 d dark in any MRI. That's the common signal features of normal muscle. That's what we see on fibroid. We see T1 and T2 dark signal that demonstrates homogeneous enhancement because of its vascularity. Now, there is another type of fibroid that contains fatty tissue, and the name for it is lipolyomyoma. Lipolyomyoma, lipo stands for fat, and so it would be T1 and T2 bright because of its fat content. If we're doing fat saturation or T1 post contrast where the fat is saturated, obviously it will have dark signal. On ultrasound, it can be lipolyomyoma, will be very echogenic, meaning very bright. And on CT scan, we'll have fatty signal and will demonstrate signal dropouts on MRI. Difference between vesorectal pouch and the pouch of Douglas. Pouch of Douglas is a female structure and it is the recto-uterine pouch, meaning it's the space where fluid collects between the rectum and the uterus. This is the pouch of Douglas. Vesicorectal pouch is seen in males and the term describe it vesicorectal, meaning the space between the rectum and the bladder.
common imaging differences between bicoronal uterus and septate uterus. Key feature that they'll probably test is not the presence of the septum or not because you can hallucinate a septum in bicoronal uterus if you would like or if you look closely. The key imaging feature is the shape of the fundus of the uterus. In a bicornuit uterus, there is a concave shape of the fundus, or the uterine fundus is not flat, rather it's curved down like a heart. In a septate uterus, there is flat or somewhat flat or convex upward margin of the fundus, as well as the septum, which it would be fibrous septum. And so when we say fibrous, you can tell two things, that it's going to be T1 and T2 dark because it's fibrous tissue but again the key feature is the shape of the fundus in a bicornuit uterus it is concaved or shaped down like a heart in a septate uterus it is flat what is endometrial cancer stage 2 this is an endometrial cancer that involves the cervix but does not extend beyond the uterus. Stage 2A involves the endocervix. Stage 2B involves the ectocervix or the external part of the cervix. But again, stage 2 involves the cervix. Now stage 3, meaning endometrial cancer, stage 3 that extend beyond the uterus but does not extend beyond the true belt pelvis so it can involve adjacent serosa adnexa or peritoneum and vagina but that's only stage two it becomes stage three if it involves the bladder or bowel mucosa or if we have distant metastasis it's important to know that uterine cancer or endocervical cancer will metastasize in terms of lymph nodes into the paraortic or internal or external iliac lymph, lymph nodes. If it involves the inguinal lymph nodes, then it would be considered stage 4. Same thing goes for testicular cancer. If the cancer involves the paraortic lymph nodes, it's still considered stage 3. If it involves the inguinal lymph nodes, it's considered stage 4. A testicular tumor with macrocalcifications and cystic components that would be concerning for mixed germ cell tumor. Again, testicular tumor with macrocalcifications and cystic components. This is concerning for mixed germ cell tumor. An important landmark structure that defines a cystocele or uterine prolapse, or even rectocele. That is the pupocoxygeal line, and it is the line that connects the inferior edge of the pupus symphysis into the final coxygeal joint. Again, this is a theoretical line that connects the inferior pubis to the final coxygeal joint along the midline on sagittal imaging. Now, for these pathologies, be it a cystocele or uterine, uterine prolapse or rectocele, 0 to 3 centimeter is a considered a mild, 3 to 6 is considered moderate, and greater than 6 is considered severe.
imaging criteria for CT colonography. CT colonography can be done every five years after a negative screening test, meaning after a negative colonoscopy, it is not an option for high-risk patients or patients with inflammatory bowel disease. What is the process for amniotic band syndrome? So the infant is wrapped by the amniotic fluid within the amniotic cavity or membrane. When there is a disruption of the amniotic membrane, then the amniotic and chorionic cavities are open together. And if there is this disruption, we can have fibrous tissue or fibrous amputation of fingers, digits, or hand Type of renal cell cancer that is associated with renal transplant. This is papillary RCC. Again, papillary RCC is seen in renal transplant patients. Types of placental creta. So we have three types placenta accreta, increta, and percreta. The way I think of it is accreta is basically attached into the myometrium. Placenta increta is in the myometrium or in the muscle increta. And finally, percreta is perforating through the myometrium. Again, percreta, increta, and accreta. Accreta is attached to the myometrium. Increta is in the myometrium. And percreta is perforating through the myometrium. Classic features of pica granulosa cell tumor. This is a malignant ovarian sex cord tumor and presents as a large solid and cystic adnexal mass, commonly unilateral, and it is the most common ovarian neoplasm that presents with symptoms related to overproduction of sex hormones, so estrogenic manifestation. Again, pica granulosa related to overproduction of estrogen. Testicular tumor with elevated AFP. Differential for it, basically two tumors, either a mixed germ cell tumor and yolk sac tumor. Again, elevated AFP is seen in mixed cell germ tumors and yolk sac tumors. Staying on the same topic, testicular tumors with elevated beta-HCG. The most common one I think of is choriocarcinoma, but we can have elevated beta-HCG in seminoma. Again, elevated beta-HCG, choriocarcinoma, and some seminoma. Elevated AFP is mixture cell tumor and yellow sac tumor. Obviously, we're not talking about liver tumor here. A palpable or visible mass along the lateral and inferior vaginal wall. This is Bartholin's cyst. Again, Bartholin's cyst is a palpable and potentially visible mass along the lateral and inferior vaginal wall. Bartholin, the B for me stands for behind, so it's inferior and lateral vaginal entrance is a Bartholin's cyst. (laughs) 
Staying on the same topic, what is skin gland cyst? This is a cystic dilation of the skin gland and it is located along the anterior vaginal inlet. Again, anterior vaginal inlet, which makes it close to the urethra, is where we have skin gland cyst. Again, skin gland cyst is anterior, Bartholin gland cyst is posterior or behind. Differential for adenocarcinoma bladder, typically seen in urachis or bladder exotrophy. Again, bladder exotrophy or urachis will give us adenocarcinoma of the bladder. Pediatric cystic renal masses. We have three multicystic dysplastic kidney. This is non-inherited disorder and associated with reflux, multilocular cystic nephroma, so multiple cysts that can herniate into the renal pelvis, and finally, autosomal recessive polycystic kidney disease. Recessive is the worst one. It's not the most common one because most infants with autosomal recessive will die before they're born and presents with bilateral microcyst or small cysts. Again, pediatric renal cystic lesions, multicystic dysplastic kidney, multilocular cystic nephroma, and autosomal recessive polycystic kidney disease. What is leukoplakia of the urinary tract? Leukoplakia meaning white plaques, and this is inflammatory changes in the ureter or bladder associated with chronic urinary tract infection and squamous Metaplasia, that's where the word leukoplakia comes from. Again, squamous metaplasia of the urinary tract, and it is due to chronic inflammation. Review question from a couple of minutes ago. What are testicular tumors associated with elevated beta-HCG? We said we have two, choriocarcinoma and seminoma. Again, choriocarcinoma and seminoma can present with elevated beta-HCG, more commonly seen in choriocarcinoma, though. This will be our final question for the day. What are the classic uroradiologic signs or radiologic signs associated with papillary necrosis? We have ball on T. We have the lobster claw sign and the signet cell or signet ring sign. The lobster claw sign should not be confused with the bare paw sign, which is associated with XGP or xanthogranulomatous polynephritis. Again, lobster claw sign, ball on T sign, and signet ring sign. These are all associated with fill-in defects.